Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ingham OX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on Ingham OX. Yes, folks. Thank you, Mr. Kelly, for the lead into the show. And welcome to everyone. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. If you have any questions, concerns about your outdoors or your house plants, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We get together every Saturday and discuss your yard, your garden, your landscape, home improvement. No, not home improvement. That's Scott Mosby's show. Hmm. How did I get in here? Who wrote this anyway? Boy, oh boy, I can't believe this. Pruning, bugs, diseases, planting, removal, making the best choices. But remember my words, strictly open opportunities. After that, it's going to take work, physical and mental, on your part in this great marathon called gardening. There is no sprints. And this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you being here. And thanks for Greg and Brad. They are producing today. And uh, my show is so difficult, it takes two producers. Boy, oh boy, I didn't know I was that difficult. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. Currently, I write articles for Missouri Gardener Magazine. And during the week, I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. There's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 Three, three, four, four. Wow, it was a great sunrise this morning. I thought it was perfect. So I headed north on 55. I exited on Walnut. Boy, that construction along there. I'm getting a little bored with it. It's been going on for so long. But anyway, that's, you know, that's the highway stuff. Right turn into the old cathedral. Even though I wasn't going to church or anything, I still parked in their parking lot, which I know I shouldn't be doing. But uh, the steeple clock on the old cathedral said it was 630 as I stepped out of the car, oh, a poor cicada was dead laying there. Oh, well. Hopefully it had a good life. And uh, irrigation system on the back side. I guess it would be on the east side of the church. I think it needs to be adjusted a little bit. It was <laughs> watering the wall kind of a lot. But uh, anyway, who cares? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of construction going on. There's all kinds of newly installed multi-trunk trees, magnolias for the most part. There's some other things as well. And uh, they are basically staked and strapped because the winds that we have, we've had some really strong winds lately, and they're strapped just right. So there's movement in the trunk. So if you ever plant a tree yourself and you think it needs to be staked, don't stake it really tight. You want movement in the tree in the wind. That's how the girth of the tree trunk increases. So that's what exactly what they did. Also right there, uh, there is a new sign over the walk, which announces this way to the Gateway Arch. And there's some plastic doggy pot bags. 
dispenser right there as well. Another sign announces this is the way to the riverboats. Hundreds of pea pods dangle from a locust. I guess there's two locust trees growing fairly close together there. And construction-related trailers and fencing and equipment, oh my. Some of the trees newly mulched and other ones not so much so. But I could really smell the new mulch on these trees. So nice kind of aroma for early morning, almost like coffee, but not quite. And along the walkway, there's some old timers that have been around for a long time, and they've got some recent neighbors. And did you know the Gateway Arch, there's a big banner there that says, single largest stainless steel structure in the world. Well, the Alley of Sycamores head south along the walkway. Irrigation in place around each tree. But I'll tell you, there's been quite a few of these sycamore trees that did not make it. They're probably five to six inch caliper. I don't know exactly when they were installed. installed. But uh, that's what happens. Even under professional care, things are not going to do all that well sometimes. And I could see the Poplar Street Bridge where traffic was humming. Concrete benches offer a resting spot. Uh, Drinking fountain says, are you thirsty? I said, nope. And uh, there's a fork in the walkway right there, so I headed more towards the east. That's towards the old stairway that you could go down on Lenore K. Sullivan Boulevard. That's being redone, but there is a great new ramp that you can go all the way down. So regardless of your walking skills or anything else, it should be a nice, easy flow. The sun was bright. The water of the Mississippi River was really reflecting it nicely. And what could be better than a time at the St. Louis Gateway Arch on Saturday morning. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Chevy Small Car Saturday. Sonic and Spark standard with two-year scheduled maintenance coverage, whether you're purchasing or leasing. Sonic and Spark keep you steady with standard hill start assist. Chevrolet, find new roads. Checking the scores? No, I'm saving money and making my home more comfortable. The Bryant Housewives thermostat makes me energy-wise. I check the stats of my energy savings and change my thermostat, all from my phone. Al Roboski here, reminding you that the Bryant dealers are doing whatever it takes to make you comfortable. For all of your HVAC, plumbing, and electrical needs, think Indoor Comfort Team. More than just a heating and cooling company, Indoor Comfort Team delivers comfort you can trust. Go to IndoorComfortTeam.com today. IndoorComfortTeam.com. Guess what, folks? This is a time of year when you get out there and take a look at your landscape. Sometimes it means like, you know, I want to cut back on some of my planting areas and maybe convert them to lawn because it's a little bit easier to care for. Except you always know that lawn is going to be high maintenance as far as care goes. But that's okay. What you need to do is just make sure, regardless of what you're planning to do, that the soil is prepared with great organic material. And where are you going to get that great organic material? You're going to go to St. Louis Composting. Which location? Well, there's six to choose from. So you don't necessarily have to go to the one that's closest to your home. If you prefer one that's a further away, they don't care where you live. They don't care your zip code. But there's locations in Valley Park, and don't worry about that. Also, Valley Park is where the eclipse is going to be, so maybe they're going to have an eclipse party down there at the headquarters of St. Louis Compost. I shouldn't say that. I don't know if they are or not. Probably not. But anyway, there's also one in Belleville. There's one in North County, Fort Bell Fountain. There's a great Pacific, you know, Missouri, not Pacific Coast Ocean or anything, Pacific facility down there, one in Maryland Heights and one in the city of St. Louis. More information, 636-861-3344. stlcompost.com is the website. 
St. Louis Composting for all your organic needs. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, first in line, Don from Staunton, Illinois. Don, how are you today? Hello, Don, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, uh, Mike. Good morning. Uh, my question is, when is a good time to plant, transplant uh, redbud trees? Uh, basically, you can do it anytime. You know, in the fall is a good time. Water it really well the night before you're going to dig it up, and then just move it to the new location. So I don't know how big the trees are, but uh, you don't want to try to move one that's too big because the root ball is going to be too heavy. But well, anything, yeah, two inches or less, you should have no problem moving. Okay, in the fall then, huh? Yeah, falls, fall is by far the best time to transplant, best time to plant, because the ground is warm. That encourages new root growth to establish itself. And then the plants get to go to sleep for the winter time. Okay, okay, thanks a lot, Mike. Certainly, thank you. And now let's go from Illinois to Union, Missouri, into Beth's yard. Hi, Beth. Hi, I was calling to find out, when do you uh, cut back blackberries and how far should I cut those back to clean up the patch? Basically, cut back the oldest canes, so the ones that are the thickest. Now, how long has the blackberry patch been there? Oh, probably eight years. Uh, you might have some that are you know, probably not producing as much, but any of them, that the largest canes, just take those down and then let the foliage stay until it starts turning color. So, in other words, headed towards dormancy where the, the leaves are going to start falling off because this whole time the leaves are still green, it's still building up the root system for next year. So be patient. Okay. Thank you. Yep. And if anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And let's go to Eureka, and that's where Sue lives. Hi, Sue. Hi there. <clears throat> um, yeah, thank you for your show. Um, I have some bamboo that I recently bought at a half-deck, half-size gallon from a local um, gardening store, and I got it on, at clearance. And I wanted to have use that for a linear effect for a patio screen. And my, my, I, I want to trim up as high as I can so that I can see the bamboo as the screen and the green up on top. And, I, and I'm wondering how long, and do you have any tips on how to do that? And also, I am sure I need to bring that in and how to seed and just how to do it, basically. In ground or in planter, I can do a linear planter, build one, you know. So, now, do you know what variety? Is this Golden Groove bamboo? I believe so. So, it's, it's going to be the one that runs all over the place? Probably. <laughs> so, I mean, to build a structure to try to keep it under control is going to be pretty expensive. Because the root system is going to hit any wall on anything, even concrete that's two feet deep, and come around the other side. So, in other words, uh-huh. it goes underneath roads. It goes underneath all kinds of other things. Lots of listeners have heard me tell the story of Golden Groove bamboo that I dug up at the Japanese garden in the botanical garden when I worked there. Planted in my parents' backyard. First few years, virtually no growth. Then all of a sudden, it exploded. It looks like asparagus coming up out of the ground, and it their backyard was probably 100, and I forget how wide it is, 150 feet wide. And slowly but surely, my father hated it because it was so invasive. My mother loved it because it was, you know, great for the birds. But putting it close to a patio, I would be a little bit concerned about that, to be honest. Hmm. Okay. Without I mean, you could do it. 
you could, I mean, go ahead and do it, but uh, its root system is going to go every possible direction. And okay. you, what you can do for Father's Day, my father had me go out and just cut up, cut down all the youngest sprouts that were coming up, but just realize that. So just uh, be cautious wherever you put it. How long does it take? Uh, before uh, it really started a surge of growth, a couple of years. So it's okay. going to sit there and you're going to go, what's going on? I heard this thing's supposed to be so invasive, blah, blah, blah. But about the weather dependent, but by the third year or so, you could start seeing you know, sprouts coming up. And they're not going to come up at the base of the mother plant. They could come up five, six feet away. Okay. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be the purveyor of doom, but uh, I mean, there's plenty of people. I mean, Cronlet Park, when you turn, you know, you turn off Grand and then go down Holly Hills, there's a house there, you know, that faces Cronlet Park. They don't want, you know, they're trying to block the view and they have the Golden Groove bamboo. So, I mean, it is possible to use. You just have to realize that it's going to be a long, involved process. Three years of nothing, basically. And then from then on, it's going to be something, you know, at least annually, if not biannually. So, let's see, who's the next caller, Greg? Jim? Jim, how are you today? I'm fine, Mike. Thanks for your show. Yes, well, thank you. What's your question? Uh, I've got a uh, Japanese red maple. Uh-huh. About 20, 20, 25 years old. It's always been a real good tree, healthy. This year, the leaves are not turning red. Just a few on the very end. I clipped off some leaves last night, and I could see something eating on it. Uh, or that's what it looked like, but I didn't know if it needed fertilizer or water or what. Probably nothing. If the leaf looks healthy, I'm assuming you're talking about the one that grows like an umbrella, so the dissected yeah. variety. And yeah. it may be. How old is it? It's about 20, 25 years old, I guess. Well, what could happen is this is a grafted plant, and some of the grafted things, you know, I mean, they can revert back to what they originally were. So, so you may I be going back to... So you may be going, it may be going back just to the original. So that's what, you know, what po could possibly be happening. Has really nothing to do with nutrients, has nothing to do with moisture. As long as the leaves look healthy, then you're fine. Well, the leaf has got some holes in it, like something's eating on it, but I, I couldn't figure out what it was. I, I took a few leaves off and looked at them, and, and it, it, it just got a bunch of little holes in it. Yeah, a bunch of little holes, that's probably something from earlier on. And little holes is not going to make it so it doesn't change color. Okay. Okay, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, I so just keep it healthy. Much. As long as the foliage looks good and everything else, then you should be fine. Okay, Mike. Thanks a bunch. Yep. And now Bye. let's go to, that was Jim in Farmington. Let's go to, uh, uh, where should we go? How about uh, Billy in Cuba, Missouri? Hi, Billy. Hi, uh, Mike. We're calling about another redbud tree. It's about 15 feet tall. I uh, don't know when it was planted, so maybe in the last 10 years. Is here where we bought the place. Um, the question is: This past year, only ten percent of the leaves have come out. Woo! So, do you think it's on its downhill and it's not going to do much <laughs> next year? I think it's going to be even less next year because okay. you understand the nutrients and moisture come up from the root system. They go up to the leaf. Then the leaves use that with sunlight to make food to make the tree healthy, wealthy, wise, whatever. And so, consequently, that few of leaves. It's going to mean the root system is going to be diminished. It means everything is going to be diminished. And so it doesn't sound good at all. 
Okay, well, thank you very much. Yeah, you don't have to necessarily cut it down. You can wait till next spring. But uh, recovery from that much of a you know impact, and with the weather you know this year, you have to remember. I'm going to repeat this again too. Uh, 2016 July was one of the wettest Julys ever. 2017 July was one of the driest Julys ever. So even plants like red buds, which are native, which should be used to this kind of stuff, I mean, they could be really stressed out. Yeah, because we're wondering it might come back because we had like seven burning bushes mm-hmm. last year. They didn't really have any leaves, and this year they came back um, gorgeous. So we didn't know what. Right, burning bush is a little bit tougher than the redbud trees. Okay, well, but, thank you very much. Yeah, don't cut it down. Just you know, kind of wait until next spring. And if you don't see the flowers or you only see a few, then that's when you start thinking about taking it down. Okay, thank you, and have a good weekend. You do the very same thing. Rebecca is in Oakville. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question about my tulip tree that has what are called scales on it. Mm-hmm. And how would I treat that? Can, you know, somebody said there's something you can put into the ground and it, like, treats it from the bottom up. Or is it something I spray? There's an oil. I want to get it treated because I've had this tree probably 20 years and... Um, there are these little scales all over it that I understand are some sort of like aphids or something. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but you know what I'm saying. They're they're insects basically, right? And they're kind of waxy on the outside, and they suck the um, the sap out of the tree. Right. Well, aphids and scale are two different insects completely. Okay. Aphids okay. are mobile. Scale is only mobile right after it's born. Then it crawls someplace and just attaches itself and just sucks. You know, sucks okay. the, you know, sap and all that other stuff. Right. Tulip trees are very prone to aphid problems, too. So you may have both of them. When any of the leaves fall, are they really sticky or shiny looking? Well, they're sticky. I'm, I'm, I would say I have scales. You know, I went online and I did a bunch of research, and I would say these are scales, you know. So I'm I'm just not sure, like, how do you treat the tree so it, it eventually doesn't die? <laughs> well, basically, it, you know, the, if you're sure it's scale. So you saw the lumps, and the lumps are yeah. really, you know, they basically have a cuticle on the outside of them, which is kind of like prevents any kind of normal insecticide from penetrating. So what you have exactly. to do is you have to have somebody come out. I don't know how big the tree is, but like a tree service, like Allen's Tree Service, come out and mm-hmm. spray a dormant oil and you're going to do that around uh, Valentine's Day. It's all weather dependent. And what that does is that oil coats all the branches, all the twigs and everything. The leaves are already gone. And then it, it will kill the scale from, you know, from that perspective. And just make sure that you, you know, clean up all the debris on the ground and everything else. And just watch out, too, in making sure that next year that you don't have you know, aphids on there as well. Yeah, I I was reading something about the scales that said you can treat it in late August and and some sort of chemical, you know. So I since it's already mid-August, I was hoping to treat something now, but is that not advisable? I would not do that. I would wait and just do it in the winter time with a dormant oil spray. You know, I mean, you can inject and all that other stuff. I I you know, maybe yeah. I'm too much of a traditionalist, but I think just a dormant oil spray in February it may t- take a couple years. You know, to finally get mm-hmm. it totally under control. And the scale, mm-hmm. when it dies, it doesn't fall off. It'll just be there. So you're not going to even mm. know if these are still dead or if they're alive or anything else. That's why mm-hmm. I'm saying it may take a couple applications. 
Okay. Okay. Well, I will do that. All right. Well, thank you so much for your show. Sure. Thank you for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks. Questions, concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I don't know how much rain that you got the other day or the other evening or whatever, it poured, I think it was on Wednesday, it poured and then it stopped and then it really poured, but only about uh, maybe at our house in South City, maybe hmm, 45 minutes or so. But I mean, it came down as a drench. But luckily, earlier in the day, I'd already watered, so my ground was soft. So all the rain that came down and hit turf, my plants and everything else got to soak into the ground. Again, that's the advantage of continuing to water on a regular basis. In my drive-in today, I saw several people had their, you know, their sprinklers out and everything else. So even if they're predicting rain or whatever, get your, you know, get the ground soft because if the ground is still hard, because you know we have clay, if it's hard, the rain could just hit the ground. Some of it may soak in, but a lot of it may just run off and not be to the advantage of your plant material. Let's go over to Belleville and go into Terry's yard. Terry, how are you today? Hey, good. How are you? Good morning. Hi. Um, I have two maple trees. I'm not sure if they're autumn or sugar maples, um, but last year the one started yellowing and, and losing a lot of leaves, and it's doing the same thing this year. And I have also another one that started doing that this year. And I'm not, I don't see any insects, but I'm kind of wondering if it's a disease or an insect problem. Probably it's weather. Weather. More so, okay. Yeah, more so than anything. And so, uh, the sugar maples will turn kind of a yellow reddish or yellow orangish in the winter time. Uh-huh. The autumn, you know, whatever will turn pure red. So that's probably the difference. It doesn't really matter, uh, but uh, a lot of trees because of the drought we've had are starting to drop leaves prematurely. Things like river birch always drop them, but they're dropping more than usual. Sycamore trees are really dropping a lot of leaves. When I was at the arch grounds earlier this morning, I couldn't believe how many you know trees or how many leaves the sycamores had dropped there. So this is just weather-related as much as anything. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, so there's not really too much you can do other than if you do want to water a tree, come out about uh, measure the distance between the trunk and the furthest extension of the branches, and then get a soaker hose and put it right just about two-thirds of the way out from the trunk to the extension of the branches. That's where the most you know feeder roots that absorb moisture is, and then run it for an hour or two. Just let it soak in really, really deeply. So good luck with that, Terry. And now Bill lives in St. Louis. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. Uh, I got a question for you. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Oh. Uh, I, I'm looking to replace some blue rug juniper on my front uh, hill, and I've got about 10 of them, and I was going to do it this fall. They've been in for, 15 oh, 15 years, and they're getting pretty bad. Right. Um, can I just pull them out and then replace them in the new hole, or should I, I mean, in the old hole? Or should I dig the hole next to it and use some kind of root stimulant? Don't use a root stimulant. Just improve the soil. First of all, 
Yeah, blue rug junipers, once they start getting aged, like yours sound like they are, mm-hmm. right where they're planted, where the crown of the plant is, they don't have no needles anymore. So then consequently, you know, there's only needles at the long extension of the branches that are laying on the ground. But Correct. dig them out with the entire root system, and I would get some, you know, compost, work it into the ground before you do any kind of planting. So in other words... Don't just assume that you should be able to stick them right in the same place. It could be fine. It might work, but you should just improve the soil. It's going to be better for whatever you happen to plant. And if you like the blue rug and you get 15 years out of it, you could replant with blue rugs. I mean, there's well, nothing wrong what, with that. Yeah, that's what I was going to do, yeah. Mike. Uh, can I put them in the same hole then? Uh, if you're going to work up the soil, you know, right. I would work up the whole bed space where they are. And so the, where the original hole was, you won't even know where it is anymore. Okay, super. Thanks a lot for your help, Mike. Sure. Appreciate sure. your show. Well, thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate it. And now let's go to South County, and that's where Phil lives. Hi, Phil. Hi, Mike. I've got a question for you here. I've got some dead areas of grass in my front yard. I dug up the grass. I put down a layer of uh, garden soil, then seeds, and then a layer of garden soil mixed, mixed with uh, straw. I keep it watered, but now I found out I have grubs. Uh, my question is, at what point do I put down the granules for the uh, grubs? What kind of seed did you put down? Uh, it's a, uh, it's coated seeds. So, I mean, what variety? Is it bluegrass or is it fescue? A fescue. Oh, uh, fescue. Grubs do not eat fescue lawn root systems. Okay. They only eat, so you can have the grubs there. But they're not going to eat the root systems of your fescue grass. They will eat bluegrass, but not fescue. And there, there's five different kinds of grubs that are in our soil. And only one of them actually eats the root systems of bluegrass. So you can have the grubs there. I mean, they're problematic. They are beetles. They could be Japanese beetles. They could be June bugs. They could be this. They could be that. But in reality, I wouldn't be overly concerned with that. I'd be more concerned that you worked up the soil before you put the seed down and everything else. And just watch out about how much straw you put down because a lot of times if you put too much straw, you can create a fungus problem. Well, I I chopped it up, and it's not very thick. Okay, good. Uh, that we uh, had some roots in the ground above, above ground. I took up some roots. That's where the grubs were hanging on these roots of a tree. Yeah, they they wouldn't eat, certainly eat. That's too tough for them. They just happen to be hanging out there. I, I guess. Okay. So that's not really a, much of a concern. Grub control. You know, I mean, that's really sort of a misnomer on unless you have a bluegrass lawn, I wouldn't be concerned. And then even in a bluegrass lawn, in a one square foot area, for grubs to be problematic, you need at least six of them in one square foot. If there's less than that, yes, you're going to have some death, but you're going to have death here with any kind of grass for the most part because of our nutty weather. Okay. So the, uh, I don't really need the uh, stuff I bought then. No, the grub control. Yeah. You can sell it at a garage sale. I'll take it back to the store. That's true. (laughs) Okay, Mike. Thank you. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame enshrinement is Friday night, September 15th at the Hilton St. Louis Frontenac Hotel. Honorees include Cardinals pitcher Chris Carpenter, Super Bowl champion Mike Martz, the Big Reds' Roy Jetstream Green, PBA legend Pete Weber, former KMOX general manager Robert Hyland. Plus, KMOX will be recognized with a Community Service Award. Tickets are available now by calling 618-558-4861, online at stlshof.com, or for more information, go to kmox.com events. 
I'm going to quiz you right now. Here's a phone number. Stop and think. Whose phone number is this? 636-332-5535. You go, hmm, let's see. It's not my Aunt Cleo. Uh, Let's see. Oh, I know who it is. It's Allen's Tree Service. Allen's Tree Service, great website, allenstreeservice.com. You can see before and after shots that they work on. I was just there last week, and Diane, she was so gracious. She always is, but, I mean, she was – it's a great place. All the staff is great. They're very, very dedicated to you, to your landscape, to your lawn, to your trees. So just realize that if you have a situation like we did when we had these storms you know, last Wednesday, there was some pretty strong winds. You may have some branches that are cracked, a crust. A neighbor across the street from me, sweet gum, two weeks ago, I heard a crack when I was outside. A big branch came down. Have the people from Allen's Tree Service come out and take a look at your trees for tree problems. Also, they do many other things besides trees. Take care of your lawn and everything else as well. Again, Allen's Tree Service, 636-332-5535, allenstreeservice.com. And as you know, Gary Allen always says, for everything green, Call the Allen's team. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, to the phones we go and to Sunset Hills, and that's where Jane lives. Hi, Jane. Hi. Good morning, Mike. We have a group of 10 maidenhead grasses, and we usually let them stand full height during the winter because we like the look. Sure. Last year, we cut them back in the fall to make the leaf raking easier. Then in mid-July this year, they started turning brown on us. So right now, they're brown 50% of the, uh, you know, down from the top. Right. So my question is, if we cut back the grasses in the fall, will that affect their health the next year? Or is it another problem we have, like maybe lack of water or something like that? It could be lack of water, but also I always like to leave the, you know, the blades to protect the crown of any kind of ornamental grass. So by doing that, then sometimes when they start shattering, you start start seeing blades all over your yard. That's when I go ahead and cut them. But uh, you can cut it. A lot of people cut them going into, you know, fall because they don't like, you know, the potential debris. But I agree with you. I think they're spectacular in the wintertime when the wind's blowing and things along that line. But I think it was probably related more so to the uh, weather circumstance than it was anything because really even the ornamental grasses, the maiden grass, you know, all the various types uh, have a tendency to like a little bit more moisture. So um, that's probably what happened. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. And now let's go to Baldwin into Dennis's yard. Hi, Dennis. Hello, Mike. Hi. Hi. I got a question. I want to reseed part of my lawn this year. It's kind of shady. I got a lot of zoysia, but zoysia won't grow on that side of the house. Uh, I'll, I'm going to get a power tiller, fill it up real well, mix in some compost. Do you recommend killing all the grass off first? Uh, if you're going to rototill it, you're going to basically kind of kill it anyway. How much? How What's the weed factor in this area? Oh, probably about 50-50, 50% weed, 50% grass. <laughs> it's really shady. You okay. Know? Well, just realize that regardless of what you do, it sounds really great. You can use shady spot mix and all that other stuff. Having successful lawn in a really shaded area, whether it's shade from a building or shade from trees, is going to be iffy at best. 
So just realize that every May, every September, you're going to have to continue for years, as long as you live in the house, to put out new grass seed. Okay. Do you recommend, like, a straw matting to keep it damp? No. I, I, you know, know, the the straws, uh, that's somewhat of a misnomer because... Sometimes like, people say, oh, it protects it. The birds won't come and eat the seed. That's baloney. And also sometimes if it gets too wet, when the seed germinates because of the straw keeping the moisture in, you could have a fungus problem related to the fact that you put straw down. Okay, so just rake it in and water it and let it go. Right. All righty, thank you very much. Yep, yep. and again, yep. every, you know, every May and every September. That, and you're still not going to have great lawn, but... And a good way to you know check this out is just go down to the botanical garden, check the area that has a lot of trees, and just look at the ground there. They got people there working all the time, five days, seven days a week, you know, taking care of the lawn. And it's not, it doesn't look like a carpet. Let's put it that way. Let's go now. Let's stay in Baldwin to save gas and go over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, for replacement, we're going to be cutting down some uh, em- uh, ash trees to the emerald ash board to beat that thing. Can you give me your recommendation of about four to five trees that you would put in? Uh, do you want ornamental trees or do you want you know big uh, shade trees? I'm sorry, shade trees. Shade trees. Probably, yeah. I would say one of the red maples there are several different varieties of red maple that would be one because they're going to be relatively fast growing right. you're going to get some i would look at the ginkgo tree okay ginkgo. and you know i mean the the oaks are great too but the oaks also have problems from the standpoint they're just slow growing oh so, yeah what i was going to mention is of course as much pest free and less maintenance Type trees, you know, without insects and diseases well, like, and all that good stuff. If I was going to say the least amount of pest problems, it would be the ginkgo tree. The maples are all pretty right. good, you know, as far as that goes. If you want an oak tree that doesn't have the gall circumstance, then get a white oak. The red oaks are the one that have the galls. So uh, that okay. would probably be the three trees that are on, you know, probably a red maple, ginkgo tree, and then a white oak. That would probably be the three trees that I would, you know, have a tendency to lean towards. Okay, uh, do you ever hear a Japanese pagoda? Yeah, Japanese pagoda tree. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, they're pretty, you know, free from uh, any kind of disease or insect problems. But, uh, you know, it's just finding it, first of all. And, uh, you know, they're a little unusual with their flowering time of year and everything else. But, uh, yeah, that would be one. Okay, one more, please. (laughs) (laughs) If that comes to the end. Oh, let's see. I would say uh, I would just stay, you know, you don't need five different ones. I would just choose from those, to be honest with you. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I mean, right. there's there's several varieties of the, you know, the maple trees. You could get yeah. the sugar maple as well as the red maple. So, I mean, that's, and if you're going to get a ginkgo tree, make sure you get a male and not a female. So you don't have to worry with the fruits. Okay, and one more thing, please. Have you have you heard about this longhorn beetle that's on the East Coast that's supposed to hit us? Well, I mean, anything. Maples, yeah, I, ultimately that could happen, but uh, we can't sort of forecast what's going to go. Yeah, I know. But, right. I mean, that's, right. everything comes this direction, and then. Sure, that's, sure, sure. Okay. All right. I appreciate your help, sir. Sure. I mean, if you want something totally wild and crazy, you can try a sycamore tree. 
I mean, they're used a lot. If you wanted a bald cypress, something really unusual, but it's going to have aggressive root systems. So, I mean, there's really a lot of different trees you could pick from, but uh, those are probably be the those first four would be one that I'd choose from. And Mark, could you do it kind of quick? Mark from Union, Missouri. Uh, Hi, Mark. Hi. Uh, I have a silver maple, rather large, that's losing its bark from about eight feet up, and I've lost about a third of bark on the trunk. A third going all the way around the perimeter or just a third just in general? Because the trees, uh, as they expand, you know, they get bigger as far as diameter goes, and that causes the bark to peel off. This is... Uh, a third on the diameter, Ooh. and you can see where the bark has come off, where the tree is, I, I would call it, healed itself. Right. That's a cambium but, layer. But it's, it's like a scab. Right. And it, and it goes all the way around where this bark is missing. And I don't know if I can save this thing or if there's anything I can do if it's if it's producing this cambium layer, in other words, the scab, to, then you're probably fine. You don't need to do anything. Definitely don't you know take go up there if you can. Any loose bark, pull off. But beyond that, don't do anything. No, no pruning sealer, nothing else. Because if it's healing itself, then it's as healthy as possible. If you have the normal amount of leaves, the leaves are full size, then you should be fine. The leaves are full. It's it's all green, but uh, this bark. I mean, it's an open wound that's. Probably a, the tree's probably two and a half feet in diameter. And right. It's probably lost at least a third of that up to about six feet, seven feet on one side. Yeah, but if it looks healthy, then and it's healing itself, that's all you need to do. So good luck with that, Mark. And it's, you know, I mean, you don't have to worry too much about it. Sometimes we overthink these things and make it a lot more work than it really needs to. But we are concerned. Trees are very, very important to our landscape. And, um, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.